everyone. It's a no shoes in the office day. Woohoo! Best day ever. Woo, this is Queer Halftime. Uh, welcome back to the Big Queer Couch. My name is Becca. I use she, they. My name is Paige. I use they, them. Nice. So we um, decided it would be fun to do kind of what me and Kelsey did several weeks ago and just figure out a queer person from history, not tell one another, and then present it to each other hell yeah although i did history project yeah (laughs) i did ask Paige what the name of theirs was um as they were printing off the notes that they had just written uh because i realized i hadn't told them the two people we had done in the previous episode (laughs) minor details (laughs) it's a different one so it was all good um let me get comfy here yeah so we decided we would rock paper scissors lost my papers oh god <laughs> mess i have a hot mess today it's it's true yeah all right so we would rock paper scissors to see who goes first yes so do you do rock, rock paper, paper scissors, scissors shoot, shoot. yes yeah. okay. okay ready rock paper scissors shoot that's you i go first all right okay <gasps> i get to just listen this is exciting i know how often does this happen for you but once <laughs> it's the one other episode we did of this let's hear it it's upside down yes it is all right, so I am talking today about King Pepe II, aka King Nefercare, and his general officer, General Sassanet. So I'm going to be kind of reading off of my notes here because it was a lot of typing and not a lot of reviewing, and it was all very fast this morning. All good. Um, so dating back to the Middle Kingdom, which was a period of ancient Egyptian civilization, which stretched from around 2030 to 1650 BC. Which covered many dynasties. Yeah, it's an Egypt story. (laughs) I feel like so many of us had like the big gold Egypt history book. Seriously, I remember that thing, like the mythology one. Yeah. My mom had so many because she was obsessed with Egypt. I had that one. I had the dragon one. Like I had them all. All right, let's hear it. (laughs) So in this Egyptian civilization at this time, there existed a pair. Um. King Nefercare, a.k.a. King Pepe II, was a pharaoh of the Sixth Dynasty who succeeded the throne at the young age of six. Um, During this time, the power of the nomarchs was growing. Uh, Nomarchs are a chief magistrate of a gnome in ancient Egypt, and a gnome is like a province. So they were like the rulers of that existing gnome slash province, as we'll call it. Nice. Um, And the power of the pharaoh, on the other hand, was declining because the nomarchs was climbing. So it was like one was going up and the other was going down. Um, Through his life, King Pepe II had several wives and at least two children, um, but I couldn't find a bunch of other information on King Nefercare because there's very... Would it be Nefercare? Nefercare? It might be. I don't know. That's just it. If it's it's, ne- it's never it's never Kari for now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the second half of this duo involves one of the king, one of King Pepe's generals. So King Pepe slash King Nefercari. Yeah. I'm using interchangeably. I'm gonna stick to King Pepe from now okay, on. Okay. Cool. Um. So this the second half of this duo involved one of king pepe's uh generals general sassanet 
There is reference in the remaining texts, which I will talk about shortly, that there is a reference to Sassanet amusing the king because, quote, there was no woman there with him, end quote. And the word love is mentioned in the line above in what remains of the ancient scripts that tell the story. Um, so the story starts with an anonymous citizen who presented to the audience hall of King Pepe II, lamenting about unnamed circumstances. Uh, the king did not want to listen to his laments, so he had his royal musicians play music to drown the man's voice out. Uh, very passive-aggressive, very Egyptian, very... That's like a very king that, like That reminds me of like... Um, it's like a Cusco move. I was just going to yeah. say that. The I couldn't remember Emperor his name. Cusco. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Um, yeah, so yeah, he didn't do anything. He didn't say anything. He just started playing music so that they would uh, tune this man out. Um... The stranger ended up leaving the palace, and after this had co- happened a couple of times, so this man went back, was complaining to the king, and the king just kept pulling the same shit every time. He was oh like, nope, sorry, plays his music. I mean, I do the same thing when I don't want to talk to people, so like, I get it, but I'm not a douchebag about it. You're also not a king that people are coming to with like, my exactly flooded. <laughs> I don't have like very pressing demands most yeah. of the time. The harvest has failed <laughs> and we are starving. Yeah, exactly. Um, so after this had happened a number of times, the stranger had his friend, the high official Tajedi, follow the king. And at this point, it's discovered that the king is frequently leaving the palace during the night. Um, the stranger's friend, Tajedi, eventually finds out that the king is sneaking out of the palace to visit his quote-unquote loyal general officer, Sassanet, for several hours and then returning to the palace before daybreak. So sneaking out in the middle of the night, yeah, meeting up with the Sassanet guy, and who, okay. who knows what else. I see what you meant about it being saucy. Very saucy, yeah. <laughs> so what would happen when King Pepe got to the door of Sa- General Sassanet's house is he would, and I quote, he would throw a brick and then stomp his foot, and a ladder would come down, and he would climb up the ladder. Did he throw a brick, like, at the door? I imagine by brick, they mean, like, stone or something small like that. You know how, like, in the old school movies, people would, like, throw pebbles at the windows? That's what I'm picturing when it says he's throwing a brick. I tested that out once. Uh When I was very, very small, I wanted my mom's attention and was playing in the yard and didn't want to go inside. I threw a rock at the window and broke it. Oh no! Um, <laughs> and I said that it was a bird, and I somehow got away with it. Nice. And she only found out, well, twenty some years later, when I was like, "Hey, do you remember this?" It wasn't a bird. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I've That's been lying incredible. for fun since a very early age. I feel like the yeah. best of us have been. Not to encourage lying. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's how he would announce his presence at the house by throwing this brick and then stomping his foot. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, the ladder would be lowered down. The king would climb up the ladder and then bada bing, bada boom. Um, and then he would only leave after, again, quote, his majesty had done that which he had wanted to do with him. Ooh. So... Yeah, again, um, very saucy. I find it an interesting power dynamic that the king is going to him and not the other way around. Right? I imagine it's because the king is, like, legit sneaking out of the castle. Yeah. Like, it mentioned in 
part like I could find very little info about this so correct me if I'm wrong um but he did have several wives throughout his life and like I said at least two children well and so with Egyptians it was more likely not just throughout his life but at the same time oh totally yeah yeah absolutely Um, yeah because you see in history there's kings like sneaking to their lovers bedrooms yeah right but not really hear about yeah 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 so very different So this story is often cited by people interested in homosexuality and its history. Sorry, that's an amazing way to put that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm interested in homosexuality. Um, Very interested. Um, And they view it as proof that a homosexual relationship existed between a pharaoh and one of his officers. Um, On the other hand, however, literature often reflects social mores. Um, So the tale is censorous of the king's conduct, which may reflect the attitude of the people towards homosexuality. Right. Um, It purports to describe the knightly exploits of King Pepe II, and some believe it to be a work of archaizing literature. I don't think I pronounced that right, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, pretty close. Um, so the rest of the story only survives in fragments, but what does remain is an atmosphere of, quote, nocturnal mystery and intrigue, end quote. Um, only three sources for it survive, uh, one of which is a wooden plaque from 18th or 19th century, um, which is now kept in the Oriental Institution of the University of Chicago, um, an ostracon, which is a piece of pottery. Um, in an archaeological perspective, ostraca refers to shreds or even small pieces of stone that have writing scratched into them. Um, and then thirdly, the papyrus chassinat, uh, aka papyrus, papyrus, papyrus. Louvre, uh, dating back from the 25th dynasty, which is now in the Louvre in Paris. Um One last fun fact about this story. Um, Not only do we have Egyptians, we also have Greek gods. Because, of course. Um, So this story also contains a reference to the ancient myth of the sun god Ray and the god of the realm of the dead, Osiris. So Egyptian gods. Yes. Egyptian, sorry. I was really confused where Greek gods came Yeah, no, that Egyptian gods. There we go. Yeah. Misspeak on my behalf. Um. So these two gods existed in a relationship of interdependence. Um, Osiris needing the light of sun while Ray, who had to cross the underworld during the night to reach the eastern horizon in the morning and needed the resurrective powers of Osiris. So Ray would give Osiris the sun that he needed and Osiris would revive her after she crossed through the world of the dead. Oh. Yeah. Uh, The reference in that is that their union took place during the four hours of, quote, deepest darkness, end quote. Um, And the same, it happened in the same hours, it was said that King Pepe II is to have spent with his general, General Sassanet. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's my little tidbit of history and, and ancient egyptian Egyptian and gays in egypt so there's an egyptian pharaoh that some people like to argue was trans okay uh, interesting hatshepsut Um, yes so she was an egyptian queen who kind of took power and styled herself as a pharaoh so like the like right i read about that actually yeah the beard and like the accessorizing kind of yeah i'm not sure that I totally agree that that's an indicator of transness. Yeah. 
because it was more taking on the ceremonial like garb of a ruler but who knows totally yeah yeah it could even like who knows maybe there were drag kings and queens back in like the who drag knows pharaoh. ones drag pharaohs <laughs> i want to see a drag king that's just like hi i'm ramses the <laughs> third edmonton make it happen there you go yeah <laughs> it is now your turn so now i get to listen speaking so speaking of trans people in history we've talked about this before about what pronouns to use um there's one bit where she claims to have been assigned female at birth um and like lived the later part of her life as a woman so i'm gonna use she okay um that's purely an editorial choice though so <laughs> fair enough so you're ready free to correct it if it's not accurate i guess for a hell of a name absolutely okay. always am so on the 5th of October, 1728 in Burgundy, which is France, Charles Genevieve Louis-Auguste-André Timothy Deon de Beaumont was born. Also, um, to anyone who speaks French, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know that's we, a good precursor to everything. <laughs> I know we have some Francophone <laughs> listeners, um, and you're going to get to hear my redneck Alberta pronunciation of your language, so apologies have at it so i'm just gonna refer to her as dayon okay uh so she was born to um poor but aristocratic parents uh her father was an attorney who later became a mayor and her mother was the daughter of a high-ranking military figure so most of what we know about her early life comes from a ghost-written autobiography um and randomly bram stoker's essay in his 1910 book famous imposters Okay. Um, so the author of Dracula yeah. wrote about <laughs> Nice. Hell yeah. Um, so she did really well in school, graduated college at 21 with a specialty in law. Uh, she became known for uh, her writing on politics and became secretary to a couple of increasingly important uh, public officials and ended up with a job in French court. Oh, cool. Uh, this is the least interesting part of her life. All right. I'm ready. <laughs> so... <laughs> Now's where it starts to get a little juicier. So in 1756, Dayon joined the secret network of spies called the Secret du Roy, uh, so King's Secret, mm -hmm. uh, employed by King Louis XV without the knowledge of the government. Supposedly her first mission, uh, she was sent secretly by the king to Russia to meet with Empress Elizabeth uh, and conspire against the Habsburg Empire, which was Ooh. Austria at the time. Um, so she was like a spy they're the ones with the wild chins there's so the habsburgs were so inbred let's just say there was a really strong family resemblance and they all had like wicked jaws huh interesting yeah um yeah very powerful family. yeah uh i wrote here's the first hint that she wasn't what she seemed at that point, the English and French were at odds, and the English... I mean, when are they not at odds, though, honestly? honestly. <laughs> um, and the English were attempting to deny the French access to the Empress by allowing only women and children to cross the border into Russia. So Dion later claimed um, having to pass convincingly as a woman or risk being executed by the English upon discovery um, and traveled disguised as the Lady uh, Lia de Beaumont. Uh, she served as a maid of honor to the Empress. 
So not like in a wedding sense though. Yeah. Cause I know that's the way we use the term now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we do know that she was in Russia as secretary to the French ambassador. Oh, so that part of, she was in Russia. Right. So in October, 1760, she returned to France, uh, and was given a large pension as reward for her service in Russia. Uh, and then in May of the next year, she became a captain of dragoons, which is a great name. That sounds like something that would be on like Dragula or something like that. Aren't they called dragoons or something? Like the fans or something? Honestly, probably. I don't know, know, but probably. (laughs) It's basically like a type of mounted like cavalry soldier. Oh, okay. Interesting. uh, Which is less cool, but whatever. (laughs) Um, And so she fought in the later stages of the Seven Years' War. Uh, she served at the Battle of Villinghausen in July and was wounded in Ultrop, wherever that is. Interesting. I only know about the kind of North America part of the Seven Years' War. Yeah, fair. Uh, so, uh, when Empress Elizabeth died in January 1762, Down was considered for further service in Russia, but instead was appointed secretary to the Duc de Nivernais awarded money and sent to London to draft the peace treaty that formally ended the Seven Years' War. Cool. And I think the funnest thing about the Seven Years' War is that Seven Years was actually extremely short for a war between (laughs) French and English. (laughs) Thinking specifically of the Hundred Years' War. I swear, they just named all their wars after how long they took. How long they lasted for. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Having a French ex-boyfriend I definitely understand the the conflict that goes on between the English and the French because his parents hated me (laughs) (laughs) because you're anglophone or are you like yes is your heritage British Scottish oh okay yeah well then you should hate the English too who doesn't hate the English right (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we have any any listeners in the UK yet so if you are in the UK, we apologize. Well, I mean, you specifically are cool. I'll yeah, say exactly. That. You're listening to our podcast, but like the rest of y'all, I don't know. You're on the nice. <laughs> so <laughs> the treaty was signed in Paris, uh, and Dion was awarded yet more money uh, and received the Order of Saint Louis on uh, in March of 1763, becoming the Chevalier Dion, uh, which is French for knight. Uh, and is sometimes used for French noblemen. Interesting. So back in London, Dayon became oh, so many French words. So question, yeah. is Dayon as- acting as a man in these wars or? Yes. Okay. So basically throughout this part of her life. Yeah. She, um, and we're going to get into it shortly, but like okay. she wore a dragoon's uniform Um but she looked very feminine. Gotcha. So people were like, what? Hello. What um, <laughs> What are you? Politely. Yeah. <laughs> or not so politely, as we're going to see. Um, so back in London, Dayon became charge d'affaires. Sorry again, French speakers. <laughs> and <laughs> so this is a great word. And then plenipotentiary minister, which is like a fancy high-powered diplomat. Uh, when the Duke de Nivernay returned to Paris. Um, so Dion was kind of like acting as a temporary ambassador gotcha. sort of thing. Okay. Um, 
So she continued to spy for the king. She collected information for a potential invasion, uh, assisting a French agent who was surveying the British coastal defenses um, because there's just that English channel between the two. So they're quite close and easy to invade. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Dion formed connections with English nobility by sending them produce from her vineyard in France and was generally living the high life. Cute. Well, the next paragraph, it kind of all goes to hell. As it does. Uh, so the new ambassador, Gershi, uh, arrived. He humiliated her by demoting her. Uh, and she basically ended up stuck between two French political factions and then disobeyed orders to return to France. Damn. So the French tried to have her extradited, but King George was like, no, I don't think so. She's she's fun. She's having a good time here. <laughs> uh, but her pension was stopped by the French. Oh, okay. So she wasn't receiving money from them anymore. Uh I don't know what I was thinking when I wrote some of these notes, but she was like, oh, that's how you want to play it. <laughs> and published a bunch of the secret diplomatic correspondence and disavowing Gershi and calling him basically unfit for the job. Damn. So she published a bunch of state secrets and insulted the ambassador. This was incredibly scandalous and unheard of. Like, and like scandalous even for the French court of the 1700s. <laughs> like, this was huge um and like everybody yeah completely lost their shit yeah totally so as insurance uh she had not published everything so the king's secret invasion documents and the ones relative to the secret deroy she kind of kept um just so the french would have to kind of become very cautious in how they dealt with her of course um she then sued gershi for attempted murder because he supposedly tried to drug her during dinner one night and have her murdered uh he then countersued for libel and she didn't offer any offense um she was then declared an outlaw and went into hiding but had secured the sympathy of the british public mob absolutely hated gershi and like threw stones at his house um and like yelled at him and stuff they said stones (laughs) gershi was recalled to france in 1766 louis the 15th granted dayon a pension possibly as a payoff because it was like a pretty large pension Mm -hmm. uh she continued to work as a spy but lived in political exile in london her possession of the king's secret letters provided protection against further actions but she could not return to france yet so let's so we kind of talked about she wore a dragon's uniform Mm -hmm. but people suspected that she was actually a woman to the point where there was a betting pool on the london stock exchange (laughs) fucking wall street what the fuck was like let's take Betting bets this person's gender yeah. oh yeah. my god like because she when all of that came out she kind of became a celebrity in britain totally yeah. right like she was just kind of hanging out in the court before regular people didn't really know about her but then when this all kind of shit hit the fan she became a celebrity interesting uh which is part of why people hated gershi so much right is they're like this person's cool fuck this guy yeah 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 but on the london stock exchange she you however i know she refused to confirm or deny, so they eventually lost interest after a couple of years. A couple uh, years? For real. <laughs> well, you know, not a lot to do. It really, really the late is, 1700s. It really is like that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so after the de- death of Louis XV, she asked to return to France and was allowed to on the condition that she hand over the rest of her blackmail. So she claims to have been assigned female at birth, but raised as a boy as part of an inherited scheme by her father. Interesting. So basically, like, her dad could only inherit if he had a son. 
Oh, right. Of course. So she was raised a boy. Uh, so she basically wanted to be seen as like legally a woman. Right. So the French court was like, sure, whatever. But that means you have to dress like a woman. 1700s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when France began to help the rebels during the American War of Independence, Dion asked to join the French troops, uh, but her banishment prevented it. She also tried a few other times to rejoin the military, but was denied. Um, so instead, she spent a bunch of time in fencing tournaments. Hell yeah. Until she was seriously wounded in 1796. Uh, in 1804, she was sent to a debtor's prison. Do you for know, five months. was she injured fencing? Or yeah. Did it- yes, she was injured during a tournament. Yeah. Huh been there i am a former fencer myself fun fact i thought you'd find that interesting definitely yeah so brief stint in a debtor's prison apparently she had a fall became paralyzed and spent the final four years bedridden uh she died in poverty in london uh on may 21st 1810 at the age of 81 wow yeah nice yeah that's intense i mean not the poverty part but 81 good job yeah right for 1700s and being like a spy in the war and like everything else well and i feel like people have this misconception that everybody died at like 25 yeah seriously because they look at the average average mortality yeah but like that is brought dramatically down by the infant mortality rate but, like, if totally. you survived to, like, five, you were probably pretty good. And then once you got to ten, you were like, okay, yeah. Like, yeah, I yeah. got this. You're probably fine. Exactly. And then you're going to live to be, like, well, however old. And she was rich for a good chunk of her life, right? So exactly. she could also be well-fed. Wasn't well working fed, in factories. Could be, like, taking care of herself yeah. a little the bit The debtor's prison than... was probably a pretty wicked hit to her health. Oh, but... totally. Yeah, of course. Yeah. There was a post-mortem examination done. Okay. So some questions were answered. And the wording of this man is incredible. So the surgeon who examined her body stated in their post-mortem certificate that the Chevalier had male organs in every respect perfectly formed. Which I think just means there were no, like, defects or, like, weirdness about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the way it's written sounds like he's complimenting her penis. (laughs) I love it. So, yeah, male organs, uh, while at the same time displaying feminine characteristics... Uh, a couple of which were uh, unusual roundness in the formation of limbs, as well as breasts remarkably full, hmm. which leads me to wonder if she was intersex. Totally, yeah. Yeah, so that's the Chevalier Dion. Can you say your full name again? Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Charles, Genevieve, Louis, Auguste, Andre, Timothy, Dion de Beaumont. Nice. There you, you nailed go. it that time. There you go. Thank you. I've only read it <laughs> six times. Only six. It's this is fine. But yeah, so some of the things I read used she, her, some used they, them, some used he, him. Right, of course. It's really, really difficult in history because of the language. Right. Exactly. Right. So like there's this long running joke about like historians be like, oh, they were just friends. And like we can't read into it. It's like, I have sympathy for both sides because sometimes it's just egregious. And I'm like, okay, these two were obviously at least sleeping together. You know, they might not have used the words, whatever, right? Right. And then there's other times where it's like, okay, but norms were different in this culture. Like, just because two guy friends, you know, kiss on the cheek doesn't mean they're gay or whatever. Exactly. So it's like, you can't go back to Alexander the Great and be like, yo, are you bi? He'd be like, what are you, what? Hello? First of all, I speak Macedonian, not English. (laughs) I don't know what bisexual is in Macedonian, but 
if you do let us know <laughs> i don't know do people still speak Macedonian? i don't think they do i don't think so i don't think i think it was kind of consumed by i don't know yeah and if they um, do i don't think we have any listeners i don't know who speak macedonian if any of you are time travelers and speak macedonian there you uh, go. what's up also take me with you i want to explore right i don't want to live anywhere different i just want to explore just kind of pop in i want to see the future That'd be cool. That's what I want to do. I feel like there's, I feel like the future is tricky though, because there's so many different possible futures. Exactly. Yeah. Right? It could go many ways. Like the past is more set, whereas the future is like, here's this tangent and here's this tangent. And yeah, here, yeah, right? exactly. If this here's what happens this. if. Yeah. 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 No, totally. Yeah. So, yeah that's some cool historical. I, I like that both of the people I've done have been spies. Right. That's pretty cool. The only person I've done was a cheating king, I think. Yeah. Maybe cheating, maybe not cheating. I don't know. Who knows? It's a mystery. Who knows what his harem thought of this. Right. Exactly. I don't know. Uh, do you have queer joy? I do, but I can't remember if this queer joy that I have is the same as the last queer joy that Let's I have. Let's just hear it. Okay. So my queer joy is that I am officially an employee of Out Loud. Oh, yes, we've heard this, but we're still excited. Yeah. Yay. Okay. Um, do I have another queer joy? Okay, you do yours and I'll see if I can come up with something new. Okay, I was trying to think of them and then I was like, I have like three. Okay. The more queer joy, the better, dude. Like, spill it. And now, as soon as I put on the spot, I'm forgetting all of them. Of course. Um. Oh, right. Okay. So one of them, we had our first affirming dads group last night. Yeah, and it was really, it was really great Tuval. seeing, I know Tuval's amazing. Shout out to Tuval. Um, he was on an early episode of ours, so you should listen to it. Um, but like all these dads talking about their feelings, it's amazing. So that was a little bit of joy. Um, I feel like the next one that happens, I have to go to. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. We'll see. Um, <laughs> there was a second one that I can't think of. The third one is purely shot and crude um, of watching Elon Musk crash and burn. <laughs> yes. I love it so much. It's so good. Such a, everybody's like, oh, he's a genius. He's a fucking jackass. Right. Um, who like, <sighs> I'm like a little bit of an idiot. <laughs> More than a little bit. I know. I'm, I'm oh trying to be kind <laughs> yeah no it's wild just watching it crash and burn it's great mm -hmm. um less great for the twitter employees feel bad for them but shout out twitter employees right if you were to those twitter. of you being asked to come back the day after being fired renegotiate your salary <laughs> exactly <laughs> ask for more money he clearly needs you do i have another queer joy oh and i got the other one was i got to play a ton of D, &D this week hell yeah nice yeah oh i have one okay i am so the alberta gsa conference is coming up and it's being held in edmonton this year um and i am both volunteering for the in-person event so they have this year they have an in-person portion and then they have an online portion that runs from so in person is november 19th online is november 21st to 24th um, I am volunteering at the actual GSA conference as a mental health first aider, which I'm really excited about. Um, I'm hoping that I'll get to watch Janice Irwin talk because I'm obsessed with her and 
um ever since our drag show now she knows who I am there you go maybe that's my in um but also I am doing a presentation on the history of queer flags um and I am very excited about it uh it's not until November 22nd but I've been putting a lot of work into this presentation and so I'm like just waiting for it to happen I cannot wait so after that we're gonna they're going to get their practice round at the conference and then we're going to make them do it for the podcast so we can hear all about the history of pride flags. Hell yeah. So it's, so it's interesting because it's two parts. One part is like the history of like the pride flag, like the one, like the current intersex inclusive one that we have now. Um, And then the other half of it is like um, bisexual flags and non-binary flags and two spirit flags and like, all of the other flags that you could possibly imagine i have at least 50 (laughs) so those come with uh descriptions of the flag and descriptions of what the word that the flag represents means okay yeah so like for example the transgender flag it is pink and blue and white Mm -hmm. and the pink and blue symbolize female and male and the white symbolizes neither um and obviously we all know well most of us know what transgender means um but yeah this is going to be really good nice yeah you don't have to pay for the online session so if you want to listen to me talk about flags before it's on the podcast exactly yeah you can see me fuck it up the first time and then fuck it up the second time too yeah (laughs) this one's edited though Oh yeah, true. I mean, I say edited. It's 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 reviewed. It's marginally edited. <laughs> For the number of ums that are left in, please know I take out a lot of a lot of them. So there were like three times as many before I. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Okay, well, um, thank you. It. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um. We will see you next week. Be kind to yourself and others. Bye. Bye, everyone.